Hi, this is Terry McCarty, and uh, welcome to a new episode of uh, Reviews and Otherwise, where I discuss two films that, uh, in their own separate ways, deal with the price of uh, being a megalomaniac. And the first one uh, is Sasha Jenkins' uh, bitchin' uh, Sound and Fury of Rick James that's uh, currently playing on Showtime. And after that, we'll get to uh, Leo's Carax's uh, Misunderstood by Some, uh, but uh, to me, one of the year's best films. the musical drama Annette uh, with uh, Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, Simon Halpert, and uh, some of the best uh, puppeteering uh, you'll have seen since Jim uh, uh, Hansen's uh, heyday. So let's first get to the uh, Rick James film, and it is interesting uh, up to a point. It's uh, directed by a gentleman named uh, Sasha Jenkins, who had done one on uh, Wu-Tang Clan uh, previously, haven't seen that. But uh, Rick's daughter, uh, Ty James, seems to be the driving uh, factor in the film, and uh, there's some controversy already about the how the Led Zeppelin, becoming Led Zeppelin documentary seems to be hermetically sealed, uh, mostly by way of uh, whatever dictates Jimmy Page laid down, and with the Rick James film, it seems like Ty James probably uh, do a certain amount of uh, dictating herself in terms of uh, uh, what could and should be covered and how. And the first two thirds of the film are pretty interesting in terms of the uh, retelling of the life of uh, Rick James. Uh, grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, had a mother who, um, even though it's not mentioned in the film, was a Catherine Dunham dancer before getting into the uh, numbers game, which uh, Rick got to learn a little a bit about that from her, and then, uh, then he did the Naval Reserve, uh, didn't attend his Naval Reserve meeting, so that put him in line for the draft, uh, and then he escaped uh, over the border to Toronto, Canada, and uh, for a time he was in a band with Neil Young called the Minor Birds, and uh, did his, came back to the States, did his first uh, tour of duty with uh, Motown as a songwriter. Uh, then did some time in the brig, and, and uh, after that, uh, the early 70s uh, for him was 
ego deflating as people around him uh, got careers and became stars and he didn't and until going to Buffalo later in the 70s uh, forming the Stone City Band and second uh, stint at Motown where you and I was the first hit and a couple of albums later the biggest success uh, using funk and uh, new wave uh, synthesizer chords Super Freak which much later uh, became a hit for him again when uh, sampled by MC Hammer and he was fortunate enough to sue for a piece of the royalties and the bulk of the film kind of overlaps that Mike Judge uh, Tales in the Tour Bus documentary about the cannabis uh, laced um, bacchanalia of, of uh, uh, James's heyday uh, as a recording artist and uh, uh, touring with the live band and also mentions a little bit about the, how he was successful as a producer for others, uh, Mary Jane Girls uh, being an uh, example like in my house, being like a huge uh, crossover pop yet around 82, his work with, uh, with uh, Tina Marie, and even giving Eddie Murphy uh, if memory serves me right, a number one hit with uh, Party All the Time, which is another great uh, melding of funk and uh, uh, you could say New Wave, or by then uh, you would use the word synth pop uh, keyboards. And uh, after that, when, when his career uh, hits a downslide uh, due to co cocaine overuse. Um, then we get to the Me Too aspect uh, where he and the then uh, woman friend uh, held uh, allegedly two uh, women hostage and uh, with the first one she had uh, alleged uh, crack pipe burns on her body and uh, and the combination of both incidents uh, led to him doing about uh, two to three years prison time and this is where the film being hermetically sealed starts to become very much in evidence uh, so you get the idea that Ty James uh, is up to a point clear-eyed about uh, her father's uh, uh, Dionysian uh, habits and the way he treated women uh, that she was aware of and, and the way she was treated herself. But uh, with regards to the incidents with the two women, there's the sort of F you, me too attitude of uh, blaming uh, both the female victims. And uh, 
at that point, the rest of the film just uh, becomes uh, like sadness uh, and uh, punctuated by Rick being able to try to turn the Chappelle show, uh, I'm Rick James B. skit in, in his favor and show he could be uh, Shatner and laugh at himself. And uh, anyway, it's worth a look on Showtime, but uh, it's safe to say that th there's a probably a definitive film on Rick James to be made. Uh, and uh, this one isn't it, but it does have uh, uh, David Ritz offering a periodic commentary, and he does have a book that he ghost wrote for James that's, uh, I believe, still out on the market, so that's uh, worth seeking out. And uh, after this, I'll be right back and uh, We'll talk a little bit about uh, Annette. Hello again, and uh, time to uh, spend a few minutes uh, talking about and uh, doing some uh, contextualizing for uh, the Leo's Carax film, Annette, uh, that played in theaters, and now it's on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, some people with uh, literal concrete minds probably watch a few minutes, turn it off in disgust, and uh, do comments on Amazon. Hey, I don't get it. What the hell is that? You know, stuff like that. And it should be said that the musical drama uh, that tries to be in some way or another uh, like a formal experiment in terms of uh, blending like the stylization and uh, realism those are films that uh, can have a very track record. Uh, uh, first thing I'm thinking of is uh, 1981, uh, Herbert Ross's uh, uh, adaptation of uh, Dennis Potter's uh, BBC miniseries, Pennies from Heaven, where uh, probably due to the shrinkage of two hours, I mean, miniseries length to two hours, rather, uh, that the, what I've seen of the miniseries, there's uh, more time for shading and subtleties, uh, like if you see the wife character in the miniseries, uh, she's made to be more sympathetic uh, in the Herbert Ross film, Jessica Harper's made to player in like one and a half dimensions of, uh, of uh, 
you know, shrewish, uh, prudish, uh, and and whatever shading you get uh, is more in terms of the school teacher character played by Bernadette Peters. And uh, at the time, people were divided uh, on it, uh, maybe similar to Annette, like some reviewer for, for I think, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution talked about Pennies from Heaven by saying Steve Martin must have had a real arrow through his head when he signed to make this film. So you have that kind of misunderstandings and uh, about four years before was the Scorsese De Niro Liza Minnelli New York, New York uh, which uh, starts out lively uh, gets progressively darker and one could argue about the jazz sax character that uh, Diderot plays in terms of his behavior that uh, you could draw a line from that to uh, what Adam Driver does with the Henry McHenry character in and out. And at that time, the fact that uh, Scorsese would do something that mixed uh, shooting in real locations and and uh, shooting on sound stages uh, that seemed to be a bit confounding to people and uh, the film he made during his downtime on New York, New York, uh, The Last Waltz uh, was a concert film and uh, conceptually uh, easier to grasp and, and that and the last waltz is uh, probably more beloved now than even even though that uh, it, there's probably some of the imperial rock star uh, sexist entitlement stuff that's uh, going to Make, make younger people uh, maybe view it with a little more jaundiced eye. So, and then uh, Lars von Trier's uh, Dancer in the Dark from about two decades ago, Bjork, Catherine Deneuve, and uh, to me that is so, so formalist and so cold and uh, That's a case of, uh, I, I would agree with the detractors on that, that you don't really uh, uh, feel that much. It's like, uh, in terms of like formalist experimentation, one could argue that uh, Von Trier was certainly more successful later on with uh, Dogville. But, uh, uh, with Annette, you could say that Leos Carax, I'm not sure if this was uh, intent or not, but it, 
reminds me a little bit of the way uh, Laurence Olivier uh, adapted Henry V, where you're in the theater, uh, the play starts, and then gradually the artifice of the play gives way and uh, you're in a realistic environment. And there's something similar in Annette uh, partway through the, uh, Marianne Cotillard's uh, Anne uh, opera uh, star. You see her on stage, uh, see the clearly the artificiality of the backdrop, and then as the aria she's singing and the scene goes on, you're suddenly in a real uh, forest, and 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 that is that is the that is the key to the film is you are uh, conscious of artifice, like especially the uh, so may we start beginning. They're marching along uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, that's still in the West LA area because you see the Royal Theater across the street and you're kind of conscious that they're miming and uh, then they stop. Uh, uh, Marianne gets in, into her lead limo SUV. Adam hops on his motorbike and the story uh, proper begins and you see the uh, turn into uh, reality and then uh, later on back to fantasy with the appearance of Annette uh, as the uh, little marionette child and uh, the uh, trip on the uh, yacht that uh, Henry and Anne take to try to patch up their uh, failed marriage and you see the obvious uh, crashing wave uh, back projection and the, and the whole style, stylized uh, deck of the ship and then and then uh, going go, going from going from there to uh, into Act Three, where Henry, who's uh, been like Rumpelstiltskin and uh, stopped his uh, stopped a hole through the floor and finished his uh, career as a uh, uh, shock uh, comedian, and uh, decides that because the uh, daughter can. Uh, do wordless uh, aria that uh, like like the Chuck Jones cartoon uh, One Froggy Evening he takes her on tour but unlike uh, One Froggy Evening uh, the daughter in all but one occasion performs on cue and uh, oh. so I'm not sure if I'm selling this film 
to you or not, but it's uh, just there's uh, stretches of it that are just uh, visually uh, brilliant and uh, the performances are excellent. Uh, Adam Driver has cited, well, you see it in the end credits, uh, Chris Rock and Bill Burr as influences on the Henry character, but you can also, especially with his delivery in the, when he's doing the stand-up scenes, you can hear a little bit of uh, Bob Fosse, how he directed uh, Dustin Hoffman to play Lenny Bruce, and also Eric Bogosian when he was in his uh, prime as a uh, monologue artist, shows like uh, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, which was filmed, uh, I recommend, uh, if, if you can uh, find it uh, extant anywhere, and, uh, but to me, uh, the most devastating scene in that is, the, is uh, late in the film, and I'm certainly don't uh, want to be a spoiler for that, but it's uh, uh, in a way some of the best acting Driver does in the film and uh, and the let's just say the actress uh, appearing opposite to him uh, uh, just you know, matches uh, everything he all the emotional beats, uh, they, they hit them in the scene perfectly. So, uh, I recommend it. Uh, it's like, please uh, see it, uh, watch it all the way through. You may think at first, uh, why am I bothering? And then it'll, it'll uh, take hold of you emotionally. And, uh, and there's one scene involving the Halberg character who goes from being a pianist accompanist to a conductor and his uh, character flaw is, is uh, being too ambitious and not uh, thinking of the cost of it but the, there's a scene uh, between him and the Annette Marionette and that's Move me to tears, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, you will be as well. So, uh, highly recommended. And uh, that's all for this uh, reviews and otherwise. And I hope to be back in another few days with something new. And if you like what you're hearing, then uh, please recommend on your favorite form of social media. And this is Terry McCarty. See you sometime soon. Thanks.